Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the You Do What podcast, where I interview real working professionals on what it is they do to make money. Joining us on the show today is my sister, Bethany. Bethany, thanks for being on the show today. Hi, thank you for having me. So Bethany is a a lash artist? Yes. Lash artist. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, I, I know Bethany's journey up uh, to maybe her decision to go to beauty school. And then since then, I've seen her run a very successful uh, lash business with mm-hmm. social media campaigns with, uh, I mean, obviously stunning eyelashes walking around <laughs> everywhere, yourself included, of course. They look fantastic. Thank you. As, as I would... I would imagine they would be, right? Your face is kind of a walking billboard for your business. Right? Yes, that does. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. So I, I didn't really do a Google check on what a lash artist makes. Maybe I should have, but tell me a little bit about like what it is you actually do mm-hmm. on a weekly basis as a lash artist. Yeah. So being a lash artist, well, I guess there's also the term lash tech, lash artist, whatever. I prefer the term artist because it is... A type of art okay um as opposed to just a technician but anyways basically what i do in a week is um i just take clients throughout the week just like any other beauty service provider um doing hair anything else you have your scheduled appointments i personally take between 25 to 30 clients a week i do work five days a week but i also am the manager of our business, Mary Lash, and I'm also an educator. So I do certify new artists every like six to eight weeks or so. Typically, have a class of around five people. Um, yeah, that's kind of wow. the small breakdown of what I do. Sure, sure. So you said thirty to twenty-five to thirty clients mm-hmm. a week. Yep. Now, do you do you are you like accepting new clients? Do clients keep coming to you, or is it the same twenty-five and thirty clients? Like, what does that look like? I periodically get some new clients, but I mean, I've been lashing for about seven years now, and I would say ninety percent of my clientele has been with me at a minimum of two years, and up until about five six years, they've been with me. So, majority of my clients are returning clients coming back every two or three weeks, and I maybe get a new client every. Uh, every few months, maybe okay. it's just hard to get into. So I'm typically booked out around two months in advance. Wow. So all right, 60 days in advance, you're booked out. And if you have a rolling two week or three mm-hmm. week, you know, appointment calendar and you're doing 25 to 30 a week, mm-hmm. that's like you have somewhere around a hundred faithful clients mm-hmm. that keep coming back to you. Yeah, about. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yep. So, I mean, you didn't start out that way, obviously. No, you know, absolutely this is, not. This is a mature, this is somebody who's matured in this field, yep. right? Who's been doing this a little bit, uh, who's been doing this for a little bit. Yep. Uh, all of the right certifications, all of the mm-hmm. uh, hurdles you've had to get to this point. So, mm-hmm. in this conversation, we're interviewing somebody who's made it a little bit in mm-hmm. the lash business, you'd say? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Lash by bath, made by wheelers. <laughs> now, Kuipers, for, for the record. So, yes. <laughs> I mean, okay. So, you said... Tell me about like, what, what is it, what do you do in an eyelash mm-hmm. client? If I were to come to you to get my lashes done, what is it, what are we going to do? I mean, first you have to do what we call the, your full set, which is the very first initial appointment that a client comes to for you. Um, and then everything after that is maintenance fills. So basically that first appointment, it's about a two hour appointment. And that is, you're mapping out your client's lash sets. You are giving them a full new, completely different what we call a set of lashes. So we are individually placing basically a fake eyelash onto each and every one of a person's natural lash. 
So that very first appointment, two hours, uh, prices typically range from $170 to like $250. And then people come in every two to five, uh, two to three weeks for their fills, which typically take either an hour, maybe an hour and a half. And yeah, that's every every other week, just about. How much are the how much do the fills cost? Uh, it depends on how long the appointment is. So let's say you book an hour fill, which is pretty normal for me. Every two weeks, uh, for me that is seventy dollars. But then it's people tip too. So I would say on average I make about eighty five dollars for a fill, um, and then it goes up from there based on how much time they take. So if they're taking an hour and a half, if they want to book an hour and a half appointment, that is for me one hundred and five dollars plus tip. So. What? So just more time equals more lash? Yeah, basically. So everybody's just different. So um, some people have a lot more natural lashes than other people. Some people have larger eyes, smaller eyes. Sometimes it just depends on the style that they like, how well they take care of him, things like that. So it's a little bit different. So we, they kind of, you kind of work with your artist to figure out what the best amount of time is and how much time in between appointments, things like that. So it's just, it's a little bit of a sliding scale range of how much price it is, but that's like, yeah, that's, yeah, that, sure. Again, I'm going to preface that that is for the area that we are in right now. So in West Michigan, that is the general um, price for lashes. It changes based on wherever you're at in sure. the United States. So you go down to Scottsdale, Arizona, you're paying like $150 per fill. Hmm. But cost of living is higher. The girls who work down there pay more in rent to rent their spaces out. And so it's just, it's just different. Sure. That's the average for here. No, I appreciate that. I think there's some way to, to do a good job of market sizing and saying, well, you live in this market, so it's going to cost this much, you know? Yeah. And, and I would imagine, though, that there's probably significantly rich clientele that are willing to write mm -hmm. almost a blank check to have their favorite lady mm -hmm. do their their yeah. eyelashes, especially if this is, you know, if this is like me getting a haircut, which is mm -hmm. once a month, sometimes I try to drag it out if I'm being cheap, <laughs> but like I, my imagining... I'm imagining that if somebody's like, man, this is, uh, this is the person I want to do my eyelashes and my eyelashes will get done every two weeks, Yep. then it's probably pretty valuable to them. Yes. Yes, it is. That's exactly how a lot of my clients see it. They look at the quality that they're getting. Um, it's also how you connect with your artist too. You, like you see these people every two weeks. And like I said, I have some of these people I've seen every two weeks for the past like five years. That's right. I know these people well. <laughs> they know me well. And there's this loyalty that comes with that, that even if like, if I'm sick and I'm like, girl, I can't get you in today. I'm so sorry. I am so sick. Um, I don't, I don't think I'll be able to get you in until next week. And I, and I offer like, I can get you in with, you know, one of my girls here mm. half the time. They're like, I'll wait. Yeah. I will wait. And if you need to do like a longer appointment on me, I'll pay it. They are loyal to you. Mm -hmm. And so, yes, they will pay just about anything to an extent, of course. Um, to have you do their lashes. And I, and I have some of these clients who, um, in the winter times live down in Scottsdale, Arizona, and then they come up here and the price difference is significant, but I have some people that will, they're like, I'll just pay. I'm, this is what I set aside for my lashes. So here you go. Like, yeah, I know it's, I know you're cheaper, but this is the money I set aside for lashes. There you go. Oh, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. I love that. It, it, it reminds me a little bit of like a tattoo artist. Almost. I mean, I don't know if it's quite the same extent, but I know that mm -hmm. like when I, when I go to a certain artist, they're mm -hmm. very, very expensive, Yes. but that's also because I am paying for the quality. I'm paying for yes. uh, a, a very nice environment that I'm going into mm -hmm. somebody that knows me, that understands me. And they even also have similar pricing mechanisms where like, I'm a big guy. If I want a sleeve, 
it's a much larger, larger sleeve on me than it is on you. Right. Right. Yeah, it doesn't absolutely. take quite as long to color on your arm as it does these absolute guns. <laughs> so, um, okay. So that's helping me understand it a little bit from a, something I've been exposed to. Yes. Right. It's very different. Uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Now tell me a little bit about when you're not just taking clients, mm -hmm. what else are you doing? Um, I'm working around the salon. I am, um, now you said salon. Is this a place where, where people get their hair cut too? Oh, maybe no, sorry. Okay. So, um, I work at Model Ash, right? Okay. So Model Ash, we have two locations. We have a Grandville location. We have our Hollands location. I am primarily at the Hollands location. So this is where I work every day. This is where I take my clients. And, um, at this location, we are just, we're like just lashes. So I have eight girls that are, that I, that work for us at the Hollands location. We have more at our Granville, but Holland location, that's my little bubble. That is who I take care of. So we have all these girls that they have different stations, different beds. We have different rooms in the back and they're all working throughout the day and taking clients just like I am. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I'm personally not taking my clients, I am I'm kind of the receptionist. And so all the phone calls go towards my phone. And so I'm getting back to voicemails or I'm sending them out to our girls because we are, we also have independent uh, contractors at our salon. So we have a few girls who are commission based and we have a few girls who are rental. So they just choose which days they want to come in. They pay for the room for that day and they take their clients. Uh, so because they're independent, um, they're in charge of their own scheduling books and everything. So I'm filtering out any phone calls we get, emails, stuff like that, and sending it off to my girls um, in which that needs to go to or scheduling brand new clients, helping, helping with that. I'm also helping maintain the salon, uh, you know, making sure that product is on the shelf, uh, like, you know, uh, all of our retail stuff. Mm -hmm. Any of our commission girls who need product, I'm giving them their product. And so just making the world go round at sure, the salon. Sure. Mm -hmm. But sometimes you're training, right? Yes, I do trainings. Yep. About every six to eight weeks, I go out to our Granville location and we have girls that just randomly sign up. We don't necessarily know these people. They just kind of sign up. They're girls who are in beauty school, girls who are out of school, who are licensed in either esthetician or cosmetology, and they want to learn how to do lashes. So, but do they always have one of those prerequisites before they see you? Correct. Because in the state of Michigan, you have to have your cosmetology or esthetician license in order to legally do lash extensions on any clients. Got it. Yep. So we that is a prerequisite for the entire state. Most of, most states in the United States require that. There's some that don't, but most do at this point. I think Canada, you don't have to, but traditionally, state of state of Michigan, you have to have that. Now, is that just because when you're dealing with eyelashes, you're putting like adhesive chemicals and, and, and foreign materials near eyeballs? Is that yes. Yes, but it's also because um, in, if, when you go to cosmetology school, esthetician school, <laughs> if you've ever gone to cosmetology or esthetician school, you know, literally the only thing that they truly teach you in school is how to keep people safe. So safety and sanitation is really all you learn. Gotcha. And yeah, they teach you how to do like some of the basics. Sure. Um, however, it's really just like safety and sanitation. Yeah. So they're assuming that you know all of this background coming into any of these certifications. So, cause there's, there's a lot of stemming out that comes from the beauty industry, from either cosmetology or esthetician to where you can take all these certification courses, but they're like, they're like, um, it's almost like getting like that bachelor's degree in something. You know what I mean? Like mm -hmm. you, 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 went to college first, you have your degree and now you're branching out to all these other like little, little things. So yeah. 
Okay. Mm-hmm. So obviously like lashes is a much more niche, like yeah. discipline under cosmetology or an esthetician. Correct. Um, okay. And all right. So I guess you got your cosmetology license. I did. I did. Yes. Well then let's, uh, let's step back here a little bit from, from what you do on the day to day. Okay. And let's take me back to when you were 18. Hmm. When you were 18, hmm. did you know you just wanted to do lashes? Did you just, I mean, what, what was going on in your life at 18 and how did you kind of get to step down this path? Oh man, 18 was a whirlwind. Um, okay, well, I would say, first of all, backing up just a little bit further, uh, I was just always into everything beauty and fashion and everything. I loved it all. But I didn't necessarily know that going into the beauty industry was really an option. Nobody, nobody talked about it when I was a teenager of like, oh my gosh, you know what would be great for you? You could, you should go to beauty school. People very often would come up with different, you know, college degrees, uh, their own ideas of what they think that I should do. And I just, I kind of didn't really know. I had some ideas, but like, I was not good in school. School was not my thing. I, I needed to be hands-on and I always felt like I needed a way to get out my creative outlet. So in high school, I was doing a lot of like drawing and I kind of messed around with makeup and stuff. Uh, but it wasn't until I started seeing some people that graduated from like my high school going off to beauty school. And I was like, Oh, I guess I didn't really realize that was even an option, I guess. And so that was actually like my junior year, the end of my junior year coming into my senior year, I was like, no, I think that's what I want to do. I, I, I think I want to go to cosmetology school. That this is the whole realm of what I'm into. I, I really like it. And as soon as I said that, my parents were like, yeah, that's exactly what you should do. That sounds exactly right. Yeah, for a little bit there, I was dabbling in the whole like going to art school kind of a thing. But I was like, I, I didn't have anything that I was like really wanting to do with an art degree. You know, I just knew I liked art at the time. And so I was like, that's what I go focus on. But I just... I, there was nothing that really interested me in that in that field exactly. So when I said beauty school, mom and dad were like, "Yes, that that is you." So I went through all of high school, or sorry, my senior year of high school, knowing that that's what I was going into. And I remember like guidance counselors and teachers being like, "Oh, you should take this uh, like a college course to get ready for next year to go to college." And I was like, "I'm not going to college." And they're like, "Well, you should do it just in case." And I was like, "No." I am not going to college. And I was so set in it. And I never let anybody steer me away from it whatsoever. And I would tell people that I was going to beauty school. And there were some people who were like, yeah, okay. All right. Like, good luck with that. But we have to set the scene back in 2015, 2014. The beauty industry was not where it was today. So back then, being a hairstylist or anything was not like the moneymaker it was something that people viewed as, oh, this is a trade that you can use now. And then you'll probably, you know, get married, have kids and probably step away from it. And, you know, that was just, that was the stigma back then. And be a housewife? Yes, basically. That's kind of what you're saying, right? Like, I mean, people, people just like, like viewed that as a bad thing though. Like almost like viewed it as you're not really taking this as a career choice. You're taking it as a, eh, something to do for now, but you're not going to do that forever. I remember thinking like, you know, that's really great for Bethany. She's at least going to do something she loves. Mm-hmm. She'll never be rich, but at least she's going to do something she loves. Yep. So a lot of people, a lot of people view it that way. And I'm not going to lie. When I, when I went into it, I by no means looked at it as thinking of like, all right, I'm just going to make bank. Like I, this is going to be a career woman. And like, I'm going to do all of these things. And I'm going to make so much money. No, but I never viewed it as that. I just wanted to be happy. Sure. 
I just wanted to be happy. And so, um, yep, finally decided, all right, let's go. Went to a local cosmetology school and I loved it. I, I really enjoyed doing hair. Um, at the time, I really enjoyed doing makeup as well. And so I was like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do the best that I can possibly do. And I, and I still view it that way of like, I don't, you, you don't need to be the absolute best in the world, the best in the state, best in your town. Like just do the best that you can do and just like focus on yourself. And that's what I was going to do. So I was going to seek out every good opportunity that I could try to work at the best salons and uh, try to just hit the ground running basically. So I got a job at a local salon. It was a a high-end salon in our town, um, right downtown. Well, let's, let's back up a second. So you, so in school, you had to pay for school, obviously. Yes, yes. Well, so when I'm saying I'm getting this job, it was like for while I was going through school. It was while you're, okay. So, yeah. so you were, so you, was there any admission criteria to getting into this school? You had to graduate high school or get your GED. Okay. So, so there is some. There is some. Yes, yes. Okay. But, but like really anybody can go to yeah, but if you right, if but if you're career oriented and capable of graduating high school, you're capable of getting in. All right. Yeah. So you got in, yep. and then you got this bougie like internship. It was a it was just a receptionist job. Okay. It's because I wanted to see what it was like to work in a salon, the hustle and bustle, the flow, how things worked, and so basically from starting cosmetology school all the way through the end, I receptioned at this salon uh, just to make sure that this was something that I was going to you know enjoy doing working in a salon. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so then I started cosmetology school. I really liked it. I made some good friends. Um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed doing hair. I thought my thing was going to be makeup, actually, though. I thought I was going to be a bridal makeup specialist. That seemed like a popular thing for a while. Is it still it, a thing? It, yeah, it's still a very huge thing. Very, very huge thing. And it was my thing for a while. I was the one at the salon that people wanted to go to. Um, which I felt very proud of because I, I enjoyed doing it so much. But I enjoyed doing hair too. And your clients probably can tell that, right? Like, yes, they can. If you smile while you're doing a job, if you're engaged, if you're like, like they can tell, and that will elicit a response in your clients. It's Correct. Like, it feels good going to Bethany, and I like mm-hmm. the way I look and feel when I leave after being with Bethany, right? Exactly, and, and that made me feel good. So that was like through school. That was you know at the salon and everything like that. Uh, but what you also have to understand too is when you're going through cosmetology school. And your first little bit of working in the salons, especially back then, you just did every service you could possibly do. I mean, in school, you have to learn how to do everything. You know, you have to learn how to do nails, pedicures, facials, waxing, hair color, haircuts, perms, everything under the sun. I notice you stop at teeth whitening. What's the deal with Um, Teeth whitening, I don't think you're actually allowed. I think that's going to be a dentist thing, huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's too bad because really you could get everything covered from like the neck up if you just had teeth whitening. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, yeah, so you were doing everything. Makeup, eyelashes, I mean. Lashes weren't really a thing. I mean, they were, they were a thing, but they weren't popular in little old West Michigan yet. Okay. It's just like a big city thing. So by no means going into school was I like, oh, yeah, lashes, like that'd be cool. Okay, so you didn't really have no idea about it. No, I had no idea. Okay. No idea. It had just become, was starting to become somewhat of a thing when I was in school of like um, the very basics, like the old school version of lashes kind of started making its way up here and people, you know, you'd hear like the whispers about it, like, oh, there's new, there's this new thing. And some people would kind of get it done, but it just wasn't common. Mm-hmm. It was not common. So that was by no means anything that was on my radar when I was in school. 
Like I said, I thought that when I graduated from school, I was going to work at the salon. I was going to just do hair, do a lot of makeup. And I mean, you can make good money doing bridal parties. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That is a big money maker right there. Yeah. And so I did think that I that was your I know how much margin that is in wedding events. It's great. It's insane. It's insane. But it's a lot of weekends. Sure. So, um, so anyway, so I, it takes about, it's like, takes about a year to get through cosmetology school. So graduated when I was 19. And like I said, I was still working at that salon. I had reception the whole time. And that was also in hopes to be able to get a further job there. Yeah, of course. Uh, so I was able to get in there for an apprenticeship. Uh, and that took, hmm, I was probably in that for about like eight months or so. And so that was me working under the owner of the salon, you know, learning how to cut hair, learning how to do hair color more properly than in cosmetology school. Mm-hmm. And you didn't just like get a job at a hair mechanics or a local mm-hmm. like men's. Nope. Nope. I, I knew if I wanted, if I was going to go into this, I was going to do my best and try to get at the best hair salons that I could in the area. Well, it sounds like when you say the best, you mean maybe the, the highest end, like the most luxury. So yeah, 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 yeah. I would say so. Mm-hmm. Yep. So working right downtown, yeah. uh, made sure to, you know, they had a pretty high clientele at this salon and that's what I wanted. I, I wanted that, that style. A salon. So I was able to get it. I was able to get into the apprentice program. I learned under this uh, amazing hairstylist that was the owner of that salon at the time. I guess she still owns a salon. It's still a very successful salon. Mm-hmm. And it was a great time. I learned a whole lot. I think I was there for a total of, of three years. Oh, wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. And at the salon. So, okay. So I had graduated from school. I was in this apprentice program. And how much money were you making? <laughs> enough to be considered low income um was it even enough to be considered low income i mean i, I I'm, I'm thinking like dollars an hour here i don't know that's that's really true, but... so i'm not gonna lie i'm like i like i can't remember how much i made because at the time it wasn't when i first started so it was less than 30 grand do you remember i was probably less than 30 grand okay so living at home at the time yeah well i, yeah. Want, I just want our audience to know like hey this journey is oh, yeah. like you graduate in a year and you're making money by the time you're 20. Like there's a, so I'll get to this because that changes from then to now. Sure. Okay. Back then what, what the whole, the whole way that the, the world would turn around the, the salon world is you're brand, you're brand new out of school. You go work at a salon. <laughs> um, you are kind of the salon bitch. Sure. You do Every little thing, you're working all the hours, you're probably getting paid minimum wage. Maybe you see some tips here and there, but you're getting paid minimum wage. And so this sounds this sounds a little bit to me almost like that guy who wants to be a chef, right? Like you you want to look at the best restaurant in town and they're like, Hey, first of all, we don't let anybody in here, but fine, you got lucky enough to yep. get hired. All right. Lucky you. And now that you're in here, you're lucky to be here. Mm-hmm. And you will like sit at the feet of head chef or, or even the cooks yep. or other people, right? doesn't matter if we're asking you to peel spuds or wash dishes, whatever the equivalent of that is in the salon studio. Mm-hmm. Probably a lot of safety and sanitizing work. Huh? It's a lot of, um, you kind of sit around waiting for one of the girls to ask you to Get shampoo your clients. Well, yeah, we have some coffee runs here. But it would be like, uh, they'd be busy and so be like, can you go bring my client to the shampoo bowl and just, you know, wash them down? Mm-hmm. And get them set back up in their chair. So those things like that. It was sweeping for them. It was going and running to grab new color bowls, mix up new color. Um, all of these things that were just the like 
oh, go rip new foils because you had to have the stack of foils to do highlights in. And so that would be like a side job that the girls would sit in the back and do. But if you're the new one in the salon and you don't have clients, like you're the one sitting in the back doing all these things, right? You're the ones that the salon sends out to hit the pavement running and pass out business cards and all the little things that nobody else wants to do. That's what we do. Okay. Now, again, that was back then. That was much more of like, there's a totem pole. Mm -hmm. When you're in the beginning, you are down here. You, you got to do all the little things that nobody else wants to do. But honestly, looking back, all of those things, I really made me who I am today with in the beauty industry, because I learned how to do all those little things and be grateful for where I am now that I don't have to do those little things anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was that was just the early early start of this. Just how it was back then. That was how you didn't really complain about it because you had a good opportunity at a this great salon. I mean, but of course, like they treated me well. They were oh, like, yeah. To me. yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, it's definitely like it's not super fun in the they sense. They've been putting pans in your head like the prototypical chefs in the nineteen nineties, but, but no, um, they loved you. But it was just uh, here's the bottom of the totem pole. Yeah, and, mm -hmm. and uh, so you, so you were, was it? So were you actually cutting hair there by the time you were leaving at the end of your three years? Yes, yes, yes. I so I had graduated from that um, apprentice program, and I was cutting hair. I uh, had had a clientele, but in the middle of that apprentice program was, uh, we did have a girl that was doing lash extensions at the salon, mm -hmm. and she was getting kind of busy, and so they did hire another girl to do them. She was an esthetician, and so she was doing, like, facials and stuff, too, but also lash extensions because, again, this is where lash extensions started, kind of slowly coming into West Michigan. And they were like, you know, we'd like to have somebody else that does it, but we would kind of like to hire from within for that. And so they kind of looked around at all the girls and were like, oh, man, who would, who would be a good fit for doing lash extensions? And they were like, Bethany, <laughs> you like doing makeup and, you know, I feel like it goes a little bit hand in hand because I had to do lashes for, you know, make like lash applications for like makeup and stuff, like fake lashes. And so they were like, well, it's like skill adjacent, right? Like, yeah, I kind of. Yeah. So they are like, Bethany, what about you? And because I was still young, fresh in the industry, I was like, yeah, sure. Let's go. You know, it was kind of do as many services as you can possibly do because then that's how you make more money is by having more services, it books, more people in your schedule, your schedule gets fuller, you make more money. So I was like, yeah, sure, let's go. So the uh, girl in the salon trained me how to do it first before they sent me off to a actual class. And that class was in Chicago. This was through Borbaletta. And they're a great class to train with. And uh, went down there. <laughs> my sister was my lash model at the time. No. And so she's been my lash model a couple times. And so I went down there and learned how to do lashes, uh, but I had a little bit of a background from the girl at the salon kind of training me a little bit, but then went to this official training. And then as soon as I got back from that, I was supposed to have, I think like a month of taking models at the salon just to, you know, kind of figure out what I'm doing, figure mm -hmm. things out. And then all of a sudden the girl that was doing the lashes quit and they were like, all right, Bethany, you're up. And I was like, wait, what? I... Uh, and I haven't had my month of training with models. And they're like, he's doing great. Get on out there. And so they just kind of like, you know, gave me a little kick in the booty. And we're like, all right, in that last room, you're up. And so I was just thrown right into it. 
and made a lot of mistakes in the beginning. Nobody is good doing lashes in the beginning. It's just, it's just the way that it is. Um, but I would say I got a few months into it and I was like, oh, wow. I like, I really like this. This is, this is fun. It's different. It's different than doing hair. It's different than doing nails. So. And you had the natural dexterity to do this. It feels like when you're doing lashes, you mm -hmm. almost have to be more precise in your movements yeah. than some other. It's very ambidextrous work. You have to use both your right and your left hand. I mean, it's definitely awkward at first. Like, like I said, I made a lot of mistakes. You know, things just aren't, it, it feels very awkward. It feels like you're working with two left hands. <laughs> but again, I got a few months into it and I was just like, I don't know. I really like this. This is a lot of fun. But I was only doing, I only had like two half days a week of doing lashes, of taking clients. So I think I was maybe able to take like eight clients a week. Okay. Good. Like it was, it was, you know, definitely filling up and stuff. But yeah, so then I have to fill that in with some something else though to make money, right? Definitely two half days of just doing lunches. Works the rest of the week of doing hair and anything else. So you had eight exclusive lash clientele. Yep. And then you had you were still doing makeup parties for yep for brides, and then you were doing um hair to fill the rest of your time. Correct. Correct. So I would say like primarily I was a hairstylist doing lunches on the side. Okay. So I had probably worked at the salon for, oh my gosh, after, I mean, I worked there for a total of three years, but one whole year was working at the front desk. And then the other two years was a mixture of like part of it being in the apprentice program and the other part of just being like full blown on the floor, taking clients on my own and everything like that. But then I got to a point of, I wanted to be able to do more lashes because I really enjoyed it, but we shared I shared a room with like three other girls that were doing lashes and facials and massages, stuff like that. And so there wasn't, there wasn't room for me to do more lashes there, like have more hours. And so then I was given this opportunity to open up a new salon with some coworkers and they were going to give me the opportunity to be like the sole lash artist there and have like my own rooms, do lashes and everything. And I was like, oh man, that sounds like, sounds like a really great opportunity. And so I took it. And so I left that salon, went to this new salon and I was still doing hair and lashes. But when I got into this, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just let happen what happens. I'm going to keep my books fully opened and book clients for hair and lashes, just kind of wherever it falls. Whereas before I had designated days and times mm -hmm. that I could do it. Now I didn't have that so much. So I was like, was just see if it happens. Right? Kind of. It was like. Or you had your own working space at least. Working space. So I was still commissioned. So the first salon was commission-based and this next salon was commission-based as well. So I was making, I got like 42% of my, all of the income that came in. So I don't know, I was probably, yeah, I was probably making 30 grand a year or so. Okay. Sure. Um, it's hard for me to really fully remember what it was. Um, anyway, so I made, I made the big, made the big leap. Left the salon. I just felt it in my gut. It was what was meant to happen. Mm -hmm. Went to this new place. And I was like, all right, we're just going to see what happens. And I think I was there for about another two years. And lashes just slowly picked up more and more and more and more and more to the point that it almost didn't make sense for me to do hair anymore. Mm. Okay. So I... I still loved doing hair. I loved the clients that I had, but like lashes was just slowly becoming more and more and more my passion. I enjoyed the clients that came with it. I enjoyed the art artistry of it. I enjoyed learning new things with it. And so I eventually got to a point of like, all right, I'm not going to take any more hair clients. I'm only going to be taking new lash clients. And so then that was kind of a pivoting point. 
And then slowly it was, okay, I'm only going to do hair once every like two weeks, like one day every two weeks. So that slowly got a little less and a little less, a little less. And then once we get to the end of that two-year mark of this next salon, that I'm at, the second salon that I was at, these salon suites were starting to become more of a thing. So salon suites is basically um, a big salon place that you have, but individual rooms where the girls rent each room and then you run your own little business out of it. Yep. Okay. Yep. <laughs> okay. So this was big in like the big cities. Okay. Okay. So like Chicago, LA, Miami, really big. These were not anything that were in these smaller towns quite yet. Now you look around, there's, there's salon suites everywhere. Okay. This was the first salon suite that came up in our town. Yep. And so I knew the girl who was opening it. She, we worked at that first salon together. Okay. And so I was like, you know, I think maybe I'm to this point of, I've got a lot of lash clients. I'm pretty much always busy and I would be going from working commission to now making all of my own money. I'm not having to give any money up to the salon. I have to pay my rent every week, but now all the money that I get from all these clients come directly to me. Sure. So I made the jump again. Okay. And I was like, let's go. So I, I come up with my LLC lashed by Beth and I was like, I'm done doing hair. And I got a lot of crap. Yes. Uh, because lashes still were not as big as they are today. And who, and who are you getting crap from? I mean, from some people in the industry, it must've been, right? I mean, Maybe on the outside, yeah. it was calling it crazy, right? Because I mean, on the outside, I think if people hardly know that what a hairstylist makes, let alone a lash mm -hmm. artist, right? Who, who are people not in the industry to tell you that that's crazy? It's like a tattoo artist being like, I'm getting out of realism and I'm going into the back and white. And be like, oh, don't do that. Like, mm -hmm. what the heck do I know about it? I don't know. I think that this thing, people didn't know about it. Yeah. So... Still, so this was back in um, 2019 that I decided to jump out of um, like doing hair and everything and to just do lashes. Yeah, so you opened up a lash studio with an LLC the year before COVID? Correct. <laughs> sure it is. So yeah, we, we'll get into that next. Nice. Um, okay, so I got crap because people were like, are you sure you don't want to just keep, you know, hair in your back pocket? Because, you know, this whole lash thing, man, like... That's probably not going to pan out. Like, you know, like, like maybe if you were in Chicago, but come on, Beth, then you're in Michigan. People, I would get that all the time. Seriously, from friends too. They'd just be like, like they they'd be genuine about it, saying like, oh, they're kind of like worried for me. And I was like, nope, I got it. It's good. It just it never bothered me. I mean, I would I can sit here and say like, oh yeah, I got some crap for it, but like at the time, I even now I'm like, I don't really care. I guess it didn't. I knew what I wanted to do. I was set in my ways. I had a good feeling about it, and that's what I wanted to do. And so I did it and best decision I've ever made. So opened up the suite and it just took off. So I found that all of my clients that I had all of a sudden were like, Hey, my girl just opened up their, her own place. Like she's in this own little, little salon suite. They were all of a sudden telling all of their friends about it. Not like they weren't before, but now they were like on fire to tell people sure. about me. I was getting so many referrals left and right and left and right, which is to where I started getting that like 30, 30 or so clients a week. Um, it's like kind of crazy if I look back on my um, schedule from back then, because I still have that same scheduling app and everything. I was just working all day, every day trying to get these clients in. And so all of a sudden that first year, I made so much more money than I ever had in my entire life. I think I probably made 
the first year. Well, okay. Actually, I should I should stop that because again, that was 2019. Yeah. And I started my salon suite in October, and then in March is when COVID hit. Mm-hmm. And so I had made a lot of money in the six months. Okay. Like I probably made what I had made an entire year the prior the like prior year before in that six months. Yeah. And then COVID hit. We were down for three months. Like the salon world was down for three months. And I remember thinking like me and my friend who was also a lash artist, we're like, this is either going to break us or it's going to come back booming. It'd be either one. We don't know. So, you know, we all got a little nervous and we're like, are people going to, you know, fall out of this thinking like, well, you know, three months off of the beauty industry, like people had to let their hair go, you know, no more hair color, lashes, nails. And so we're like, people might see, oh, I, you know, I don't need lash extensions. You know, I, I like the way I look just fine without it. Mm-hmm. It went the complete opposite direction. Yeah. People were messaging me left and right being like, when can I get back in? Can I be your first person? Yeah. Like, and they would come in and they'd be like, I can never do that again. And then they've, yep, they've stayed loyal clients for the next three years. Um, and so it, it really took off again, right back up. And so that felt really good to know, like, okay, this isn't going anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was, yep, coming into 2020. Um, yeah. And so then I've kind of moved around a little bit since there, just uh, settling into my new salon home, which is Moda over at our Holland location. And- it sounded to me like you got a lot of your clients uh, from your initial experience mm-hmm. at the the really nice yep. in town salon. Mm-hmm. Then that they carried with you, and you were doing both lashes and hair. Yep. Okay. Then you stopped doing hair. You know, the people who are already well being your client, mm-hmm. they come blow up. Now, now your clientele list has exploded, right? Yes. What has any other event or has motive or anything else contributed to even more clients, or has or is that pretty much the summation of how your client list has grown? I would say maybe a, a little bit, but coming into Moda, I had a full clientele. Yeah. So like coming into Moda, like I didn't necessarily have room for a lot more people, but I would say like my clientele grew from word of mouth. Mm-hmm. My clients telling their friends about me, uh, a little bit of social media, you know, some people would, would find me on Instagram and be like, oh, I just moved here and I was looking for a new artist and I found your page. So I've had some of that. But I, I mean, I really would say that most of it was just word of mouth. So your LLC, mm-hmm. you pay rent, I assume, as a cost? Uh, are you talking about for right now? Um, right now? Yes. No, I do not pay rent. I, at the other places I did, I don't pay rent now because I'm the manager of this salon. I see. So, oh, I see. So because yes. you manage it, they give, they comp you the space or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Right, so it's just another way to just hustle and be smart about it. Correct. Otherwise it's about $50 a day to rent. So, and I work five days a week. Okay. So let's, yeah, let's mm-hmm. clarify that real quick. You work five days a week, pretty much that, mm-hmm. you know, how many weeks do you take off a year? Four weeks. Four weeks. <laughs> um, maybe one or two. Okay. I, I, it's very hard for me to take a full week off. And that is just because of the flow of my business mm-hmm. is these clients have this, uh, timestamp of every two to three sure. weeks. And so I tend to take like maybe a half a week here and a half a week there, as opposed to just like Monday through Friday off. I see. It might take like a Wednesday to Wednesday off, mm-hmm. say to Tuesday off. Yeah. Something like that. Okay. Um, now 
You, you don't work weekends? Nope. I don't work weekends unless I am doing my teaching, which is Saturday, Sunday, but that's because that's when our salon is closed. And so that's just what works best. But otherwise, no, I don't take clients on the weekends anymore. Okay. Right. And for your own business, since you're running your own business, what are the costs? Like, I, knew, I think I know what the revenue side is, right? You have a, a repeatable client base that continues to come back to you. Mm-hmm. Even in perpetuity, right? And it can fluctuate a little bit. Yep. Um, so I, I understand how the money comes in. What, what does the cost side look like? Like, do you, do you have to go shopping for certain brands of eyelashes or do you, mm-hmm. or do your clients get to pick what brands or you know, how, how, do you, how do you control what comes into your business before producing what goes out? So with being a lash artist, there's not necessarily a ton of overhead. There's some, and I guess it, it, it depends on how many clients you really have to know if like the supplies that you're purchasing is a lot or, you know, kind of just evens out. Um, so basically the only things we really have to pay for every month is going to be just like our actual supplies. So our lash extensions mm-hmm. and the adhesive that we use and any other like little knickknacks, right? But the most expensive, I would say we have this, our adhesive is pretty expensive. It ranges from like 50 to $70 a bottle and you can really only use it for one month. It, it expires for weeks after you open it. So you do have, like, that is a monthly purchase you have to make. Yeah. Okay. Uh, lash extension, tr- like, they come in trays. Okay. And so one of those trays is about, I guess it depends what brand you use, mm-hmm. anywhere between $15 to $22 okay. per tray. Um, how fast you go through that depends on how many clients you have, what type of styles you're doing. Are you doing very big full lashes? Are you doing something very natural? Um, so it it changes, but I would say, I don't know, maybe a month I go through like $200 worth of products. Okay. In a month, personally. Yeah. On average, it's hard, it's a little bit hard to keep track because it does depend on how many clients you really have in a month and everything. Um, but then for most girls, it is like you got to pay for the rent on top of that. You know what I mean? And so yeah. there's some other overhead things. So I guess... All right. If you let's say it costs you, I don't know, three grand to furnish a studio, sure, plus whatever fifty dollars a day. That's six hundred yep. bucks a month to rent a studio. Yep. All right. So you know you can get up and running for you can get up and running in the lash business, assuming you had some clientele for like less than five grand. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, for sure. And there, like, there are um, cheaper versions of the particular things that you need. Like, you need a bed for the client to lay on. So massage yeah, tape. That's what I was looking at. Yeah. So I mean, so the range, right, but if you're, if you're a luxury brand, you're probably not, you know, uh, what was it? Garage. No. Yeah. Garage sailing, uh, you know, a used rickety wooden table and putting a mm-hmm. tablecloth over it. Right? Like probably a decent piece of equipment you have in this. So, but here's the range is though. Like you can really get by perfectly fine with a simple massage table that could cost a hundred bucks on Amazon. Mm-hmm. We do put like um, mattress toppers on top of them so that they're nice and comfy. Okay. And then we have these nice like stretchy spandex uh, tablecloths that we put over top of that. All of that right there, maybe 150 bucks. Mm, okay. Fair enough. There are luxury lash tables yeah. that cost upwards of like $3,000. I'm sure. That is uh, opinion based on how comfortable those are. And on the artist, yeah. on the uh, client and everything like that. So these types of things, they're a little bit scary to go all in with. Mm-hmm. Same with the lights that we use, you know, starting off, I just used a simple ring light 
that you can get off Amazon. Yeah. People use for selfies or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, we did just upgrade to a different type of a lamp called a Cosmo Glow. Mm-hmm. Is that a and globe thing that like? It's like a half circle. Yeah. Yep. So it's a half circle and it kind of swivels mm-hmm. forward and back. And it's it's designed for lash artists. Those are not cheap. Those are about $400 lights. Um, so it just depends on how luxury we're going for. Does it help you do your job better? I think so personally. I like it better. However, I, I worked for years with just a simple ring light and it still gives off light. But yeah. All right. And are you at a place right now where you feel like what you're doing is what you're going to keep doing for the foreseeable, like you're kind of at a steady clip right now? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, in time I plan to lash a little bit less, especially once, you know, uh, my husband and I have a family and everything. I plan Mm -hmm. to lash a little bit less and do more of the management side of the lash business. But I always plan on lashing, just maybe not as hardcore as I am right now. (laughs) Yeah. It seems like even in this industry, which you've which has been a creative outlet for you for all this time. It seems like even eventually in this industry, you're either going to continue to do it as a labor of love or you're going to end up moving up to some type of a business management future where you're using your training and your knowledge and you're helping other people build a base. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Okay. So if you're going to be here for a while, how much money does this studio for you? Like how much do you make now? Now I probably make uh, a little over a hundred thousand a year. Oh, Nice. I was not expecting that. I'm yeah. really happy about that for me. No, I thought you were going to say like 65. Oh, no, no, no. Nope. I'm in the, I'm in the six figures. Yep. It's fun. I'm so glad that you said that because I was thinking about this podcast. And I was thinking like, maybe I should only interview people that like can make a real living. And, and I was like, oh, well, that's, you know, she's been doing really well. Like she's there now, but like, it's like, I don't know. I don't know if we can really recommend this path necessarily, but mm-hmm. yeah, it sounds like uh, there's some money here still. There definitely is. Now, there are some very successful lash artists that we have been able to make six figures with this career choice. And that's great. It can happen. And you have to work hard for it, though. Oh, sure. And so definitely there have been some... um, some people that view doing lash and because they, they used to tell us this, like when we would go to these classes in the beginning to learn extensions for the first time, they would literally have like a chart to tell you, like you can make six figures. Here's how you make six, six figures. You take this many clients in a day at this price, end of the year, look how much money you're making. Oh yeah. Okay. Which in the beginning sounds great. Like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. This is like, this is what's going to make me money. Sure. But it really only makes you money if you are smart about it. And you're working hard with it and you're more, yeah, more smart, working smarter, not harder. Mm-hmm. Well, I, so I think when, when we hear your story, Bethany, so much of what the reason that your success isn't really surprising is because I think it mirrors a lot of the classic tropes of success. Like you knew what you wanted to do and even better, you knew what you didn't want to do. And sometimes that's just as valuable. Yep. You knew college wasn't it and you weren't going to let somebody sway you from that. Mm-hmm. You went on to pursue something you care about. But you didn't just do it. You did it to your very best and you got a, and I don't know how much of this is linked because some of this exists, but you did, you did land at the top shop in your hometown. Yep. Right. So every step along the way, you were doing your best. You're, you're searching those opportunities for internships and you put yourself in the right spot. Mm-hmm. So that when the beauty industry not only pivoted a little bit, but certainly grew. COVID, right? Yep. You were there to capture that and ready and eager to do so. And once again, you took risks. Mm-hmm. You bet yourself and other people said, this probably isn't going to be a problem. And you said, well, I don't care what you think. I'm doing this, right? So it, so I can see how 
you know, you may look at a poster and say, oh my gosh, if I just got a few lash clients, look at, I can make six figures for sure. It's like, well, yeah, you could, but the people who did that and who do that, they did a lot of the hard things yeah. that many success stories are made out of. Yep. They didn't give up. They kept pushing. They took risks on themselves and they got there. So even though this path of yours is, yes, it's feasible for people to make great money doing lashes. It's also, I think, a great testament to our listeners who maybe don't want to do anything Anything at all to do with the beauty industry is you can still learn from Bethany's story and what she's done to put that in your own career or whatever your own passion is, mm-hmm. is follow those same steps and you're going to set yourself up probably for success in whatever you do. Yeah. Yep. And I, but, and I also think that there's a lot of, um, humility and knowing, knowing where you need to improve yourself. Cause that, that was a big thing for me too, is like, I never once looked at myself and thought. I'm, I'm the best one around here. No, no, I never, I never did that. Nor did I ever think like, Oh, I've been doing this for however many years. Like I don't need to learn anymore. Nope. I still take a class. I, I pay to go take classes every, every single year because there's always new things to learn. And that's not out of any requirement. Nope, no, there's absolutely no requirement, but you want to continuously learn because that's just a core foundation of yours. Yeah. It excites me to learn more about the industry. It excites me to see where it's going, any new techniques. I go take classes from the people that I admire most in this industry from across the United States. So I've taken like seven different classes. A couple of them I've taken twice or three times maybe. (laughs) Yeah, just for refresher courses and everything like that. And I, I feel like it's important to just like continue learning. It's often said that to really have a mastery over something, you have to be able to teach it. So I think that it's also pretty cool that you you go learn on one end, and then you come back and you teach technique mm-hmm. on, on another end. Mm-hmm. So in the middle is real mastery of your craft. Yeah. And I love teaching. That's one of my favorite things, too. Um, I plan on doing more of that, too, as I you know continue to grow. So I've been teaching for about four years now. Oh, it'll be four years this February. So a couple months here yet. Uh, I mean, yeah, of course, like Instagram was big and everything like that, but it wasn't as big as it is today of like, you know, you're looking for a hairstylist or a tattoo artist or something like that. And your first thing you think of is, well, let's go on Instagram and see mm-hmm. people's pictures or, you know, put things like that. Also, you have to understand back in the day too, when I first started lashing, my clientele was mostly 50 and up, 50 years old and up. Is it still? No, now it's a very wide range. Okay. I have... I think my youngest is like 19 and the oldest is in her 60s. Okay. Back then, it was like 50-year-olds and up. They weren't using social media. No, but, no, of course not. You know, new artists and stuff like that. So that was just not how the way my business grew. Mm-hmm. I think that you see a lot more girls doing it now because they have not been in the industry quite as long. And now it's becoming more saturated. More and more artists are popping up. More and more people are going to school in order to do lash extensions. And this is a way for them to stand out mm-hmm. and get their clientele that way. If that makes sense. I don't necessarily promote myself as much on social media as like, come get your lashes done by me because I have my clientele. Sure. I don't need these people coming in no, that way. Right, right. So now I'm trying to pivot my Instagram a little bit more towards the artist because I am an educator. Mm. And so I'm trying to pivot that way. And social media is a little hard for me. I'm, I'm still working on it. I'm still learning on it, but trying to pivot that way. Okay. No, I understand. I'm just thinking, uh, if I'm young listening to this, I'm thinking, oh man, I'm in school. Like, this is where I want to go. Like, yeah. and this woman is such an inspiration. Like, 
that's so cool. Like, I wonder how she did it. Or I wonder if, or, or if this is really blowing up our other lash artists or leaders mm -hmm. in the lash industry saying like, here's how to promote yourself to get yes. your brand. Yes. Right. Yes. There's, there's a few, um, really big ones these days. Okay. Um, that they have their own podcasts, they have their Instagrams that have really blown up and, you know, they're educators as well. And they're sitting here telling you, you know, these are the classes you can take to help promote yourself, get the clients, things like that. Hmm. Yeah. They're out there. Yeah, I'm sure there are. Um, but, you know, organic growth is, uh, is, is amazing. The best customer is the one you already have. Yep. So absolutely. That's, that's amazing. Anything else you want to share about your journey, Beth, with our listeners that you might think, uh, you know, any, any big key takeaways or, uh, you know, pieces of advice for people looking to follow in your footsteps? I would say to anybody who is going into the beauty industry, you gotta, I would say just try, try everything, you know, figure out what you like to do, things like that. But the beauty industry is taking a really great turn than it used to, you know, it used to be, you know, do all the things and, you know, try to make the money that way by just saturating yourself across all of the whole board of doing every service that you can try to find your thing that stands you out from the crowd. And I feel like that is what stood me out is I recognize what I liked to do. I recognize the style of lashing that I like to do and I rolled with it. And that's where people now come to me for this particular style of lash extensions. They're not just coming to me because they're like, you know, they just randomly found me. Like mm. they're coming to me for me or not because it's just Moda Lash. They're coming to me for me. And so I think that's a, just a really big thing for anybody in the beauty industry, whether they're doing hair, they are doing lashes, nails, anything like that. You got to find your thing and just make that what your clients are searching for. Because there are a billion clients out there that all like something a little bit different. And so not every client is for you. That's a good piece of advice. Not every client is for you. You don't want every single person in your city coming to you. Yeah. You want the ones that want your work. Agreed. So I think that's the biggest thing. That's in craft brewing. They say, don't chase the beards. Uh, so that means, you know, don't, don't build a beard, a beer for like the bearded guy who's going to come over and just like rip it apart and say it wasn't good enough. It wasn't this enough. It wasn't that enough. Right. Don't, don't build it from that. Build it for the masses, build it for the audience that you want. Uh, yep. You don't need everybody, but you, but there will be demand for your specific product. So exactly. All right. So to wrap things up, would you recommend lashing to your younger self and would you recommend it others, uh, to get into this career? I think it's a really fun, it's a really, really fun industry to be in. It's, it's a fun community to be in. I think that the lash artist community has grown so much and I feel like we're very supportive. I just think that you have to be serious about it and you have to do it the right way. So I see girls come in all the time wanting to learn lash extensions. And the number one thing that I see is they don't realize how hard it is. They think that this is so easy. They think that it's just going to be another thing to add to the list of things that they can do. And so I think the, the best advice I would have if you want to, be, do, to do lash extensions is you got to understand it a little bit better and don't go into it thinking it's going to be very easy. It's going to be difficult, but you just got to persevere 
you got to get through the hard stuff and it really is a good, it's a good business to be in. Just, it's also not for everybody though. It's not for everybody. 